We're going to examine the passage of the Bible that literally changed the world. Uh, The verses that we're going to look at this morning likely are the key reason that we aren't sitting this morning in the Holy Child St. Mary Parish of Walloon Lake. Some of you get that. Some of you are, what are you talking about? Uh, Yep, Uh, if, if these verses weren't here and if these verses hadn't rocked Martin Luther's world, Uh, this would be a very different place here in Walloon. So if you have your Bible, go to Romans chapter 1. And uh, these are the verses that grabbed Martin Luther's attention and have been rocking the world ever since. Uh, We are in week 29 of our journey through God's story. We're doing uh, from Genesis to Revelation in 31 Sundays. Uh, And today we're going to focus on Paul's mission This is, again, chapter 29. This is what the Apostle Paul was all about. This is what he uh, focused on. Uh, The words that we're about to stand and read, these are the theme verses of the book of Romans. Uh, Romans chapter 1, this is what Romans is all about. This is what Paul's mission was all about. This is the text that launched the Protestant Reformation. Literally, this is the text that clearly explains, listen close, the difference between evangelical Christianity and the Roman Catholic Church. These are the verses that that show us what the difference is all about. So if you're able, would you please stand with me? We're going to read out loud the verses from God's Word that continue to reverberate and echo around the world. Romans chapter 1 Verses 16 and 17. Read them like you mean them, okay? Here we go. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, The righteous will live by faith. Let's pray. Lord, you've used these words that you inspired the Apostle Paul to write down to literally change the world. And uh, we just want to say thanks. Thanks for inspiring Paul to get it down just right. And thanks, Lord, that you've preserved your word for us. And Lord, we're grateful that it's quick and alive and powerful and it's still changing lives worldwide. It's been doing that down through the centuries. Lord, we praise you for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, first of all, to understand exactly what that means. What is the gospel of Jesus Christ? Lord, I pray that no one will leave here today without understanding what the gospel is. Lord, the gospel brings salvation. And every one of us, Lord, are sinners who fall short of your glory. So everyone standing, and even those who can't stand right now, every one of us are in need of salvation. And thank you for sending your Son, and thank you for, through him, bringing the gospel our way. We invite you now to come and meet us in your church. Lord, help us to understand what these words meant back when Paul wrote them down. Help us to understand 
what it meant when they rocked Martin Luther's world. And Lord, I pray specifically now that you'll help us to understand what they mean to us. May 21st, 2017. Help Jeff to get out of the way. <laughs> Lord, we need to hear from you, from the spirit of your son, Jesus Christ. And all the church at Walloon Lake said with one unified voice, you can be seated. I am not ashamed of the gospel because, Paul says, it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Romans 1, 16. The gospel equals power. Not ashamed of the gospel because in the gospel there's power. <laughs> the word power uh, that's used here is the same root word for our English words dynamo and dynamite. When you want to split rocks, when they want to uh, create a passageway through a mountain, they use dynamite. Uh, literally, the gospel is the dynamite of Jesus Christ. It's, it's the power to impact and change the entire Roman world. And that's exactly what the gospel did as it was entering the Roman world. The gospel contains the dynamic power of God to change sinners' lives from the inside out. That's what he's saying here. Now, the question is, what exactly is the gospel? So it's good, yeah, I'm, I'm not ashamed of it. Nope, I'm not. And I realize it's powerful. But if you don't understand what the gospel is, that's a problem. Because how can you share the gospel if you don't know exactly what it is? Would you not agree? What do you think, Balcony? Yeah, I agree. Shake your head, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Thanks. Thanks for playing along. Uh, so if it's so powerful and it's so effective and it's so important to change people's lives, what is the gospel? Hold your spot. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The, the clearest explanation of the gospel, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And, and I would suggest, uh, if, if you can't right now stand up and give the four facts of the gospel, then you probably better write them down. Would you not agree? Yeah. Okay. So why don't you take a note? You've got a spot on your, on your bulletin. Uh, what exactly is the gospel? And here's the gospel. They are historical facts. They are historical, verifiable facts, verified by witnesses. So I'm going to give you four of them, and uh, I want to read first where these facts come from. 1 Corinthians 15, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, on which you've taken your stand. So reminding us, here's what the gospel is all about. By this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you believed in vain. Here we go. Here's the gospel facts. For what I received, I passed on to you of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Fact number one. Verse four. That he was buried. Fact number two. He was crucified, he died for our sins, that he was buried, fact number three, and that he was raised 
on the third day according to the Scriptures. Fact number three. And here we go, the final fact. And then he appeared to Cephas, Peter, then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though a few of them have died. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me, also to one abnormally born Paul, referring to himself. Did you get the, the four? Here we go. We'll go slow. Fact number one. Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, according to the scriptures. What scriptures is he referring to? The Old Testament. The Old Testament predicted that Jesus, the Messiah, would die on the cross. Well, where is that? You can look up Psalm 22. You can look up Isaiah chapter 53. Uh, Those would be good places to start. Uh, Fact number two, Jesus was buried in a tomb. Fact number two, they put him in the grave. Why? Because he was dead. And they put dead people in tombs. They put dead people in graves. He was dead. Fact number three, last part of verse four, Jesus was raised from the dead on the third day after he died. Didn't stay dead. Literally, physically, bodily arose from the dead. That's what we call Easter Sunday, right? That's when we celebrate that fact. Literally defeated death. Fact number four, verses five to eight, First Corinthians 15. Jesus appeared to over 500 witnesses. Over 500 people saw, talked to, listened to, many touched the resurrected, alive Jesus. Those are the gospel facts. And, and now go back to uh, what we're looking at, Romans chapter 1, then you're going to understand, well, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel facts. What exactly is the gospel? Well, Jesus died on the cross for our sin. Secondly, Jesus was buried, dead in a tomb. Third fact, Jesus, early Sunday morning, what did he do? Arose from the dead, defeated sin and Satan and death. And fact number four, he was seen by a lot of eyewitnesses. Over 500 people literally bodily, physically saw him heard him, many touched him, he was alive. Uh, Because when those gospel facts, go back to verse 16, are understood and then believed by sinners, they have the dynamic power, verse 16, to bring salvation to everyone who believes. Look at verse 16. Everybody who believes those facts has the dynamic power of the gospel change them from the inside out. Salvation is a powerful thing. Would you not agree? Has it changed you? If you're still the same, then maybe you better re-examine your salvation. Because when salvation comes, it changes us. We're new creatures. The old is gone. What does it say? The new Jesus has come and taken residence in my life. And oh, by the way, salvation is not just a past tense thing. Sometimes salvation, we emphasize the past. He forgave us all of our sins. That's a good thing, right? It's a great thing. It's it's an awesome thing that he forgave me all my sins, past tense, but he also brings new life to us, and that's a present tense thing. Aren't you glad that the power of salvation affects your life today? Listen close. 
Salvation affects our lives today, present tense. And then finally, it gives us admittance into the new heaven and the new earth. That's future tense. Did you track with me? The salvation has past effects, forgives us all of our sins. Present tense, it brings us new life. Future tense, it's going to bring us admittance into the new heaven and the new earth. Salvation is an awesome thing. It changes everything. Now, let me explain just for a second. Let's suppose you weren't feeling well for a month and you go to the doctor and he runs tests and he runs blood work and I'm sorry to tell you, but you've contracted a very rare virus. Uh, but fortunately, there is a cure. And if you take the, the cure, and so far this is the only cure for what's making you sick, uh, it's really expensive, um, but without it, you'll die. Any chance you'll go home from the hospital and forget to pick up your medicine, the cure? What do you think? Any, any chance that as you go and, and you pick it up, that you're just going to put it on the shelf um, and forget where you put it? What do you think? If this is the only cure and the only remedy, and if you don't take this three times a day, you're going to die, I suspect most of you are going to get real serious about your medicine. Would you not agree? You're going to have, uh, men, you're going to have your wives remind you. Some of you will call your moms. Mom, you have permission, right, Myron? Call me, call me. Uh, Kim's mom, call me. We're going to set alarms. Because if you don't take your medicine, what's going to happen? Come on, play along. If you don't take your medicine, what's going to happen? You're going to what? You're going to die. Yeah. So please understand, you're going to have your medicine, and you're not just going to keep it in your house, and you're not just going to say, well, I got it close to my mouth. That's, that's good enough, right? Or, or um, I intend sometime soon to take the medicine, you must personally open up and take your medicine. Agree? If you don't, you're going to... Okay, now understand, the same is true for the gospel of Christ. The same is true for the gospel of Jesus. We're all sick with this fatal disease called sin. Look at the person next to you. They've been bit, and so have you. So go ahead, you, you've, been, you've been bit, go ahead and tell them, you, you, you've got it, you've contracted it, you've caught the virus and it's fatal and, and you're going to die and so am I. And, and the only cure to the disease of sin is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The only remedy for your situation is the gospel of Christ. And if you don't take the cure, you're going to die. You tracking? So what is it that I need to take? I better pay a little attention here. Yeah, you probably better. Uh, Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sin. Fact number one. <laughs> Fact number two, Jesus Christ took our place in the tomb. He was dead and now he took our place in the tomb. That's a fact. Fact number three, early on Sunday morning, Jesus didn't stay dead. He literally bodily, physically arose from the dead for us. And fact number four, verifiable, he was seen by over 500 witnesses. Do you understand the facts? That is the remedy 
That's the only cure, and it's not enough just to know about the cure. What do you have to do? You have to actually take the cure. You have to invite Jesus and what he's done for you into your life, or you will die spiritually. And you will be separated for all eternity from the salvation that Jesus offers to every one of us. He offers us freely his cure, his remedy to every one of us here today. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Go back to the text. Because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. The gospel facts are for God's chosen people, the Jews. And uh, the sad fact is most of the Jews said, no, thank you. Most of the Jews of Jesus' day said, no, thank you. We don't want that kind of Messiah. We don't want that kind of Savior. We're looking for a Roman killer. You don't fit our criteria. No, thank you. And down through the centuries, sadly, most Jews have said, no, thank you. But you need to understand, look at it. But every woman of Jewish descent, man, woman, and child, who accepts the cure of Jesus for their sin, fatal disease, is given salvation. And then it says the gospel facts are not just for the Jews, but also are for the Gentiles, for the Greek. All the non-Jewish people in the world, uh, the gospel's for them too. And this is good news for us because most of us today were not of Jewish descent. Regardless of race, education, age, income, skin color, family background, religious background, the universal power of the gospel of Christ saves and brings salvation to every race, every language, every culture, and has the power, the dynamic power to save us from the inside out. Verse 16. And now we come, verse 17, to the verse that rocked Martin Luther's world. Verse 17, For in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous or the just will live by faith. The righteous will live by faith. Say it with me. The righteous will live by faith. The gospel is so powerful because it takes filthy sinners like us and every one of us falls short of God's glory and gives us right standing in God the Father's eyes. Every one of us, filthy, rotten sinners, and through the gospel, it's a legal term, we are declared righteous. We are in right relationship with Jesus and right standing with God the Father. Why? Because of the facts of the gospel that we have received and have changed us from the inside. We've accepted the cure. We've accepted the only remedy, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Therefore, we can stand before the judge and be declared not guilty. Isn't that good, Peter? Do you always like that when, when the judge said, not guilty? Uh, you are innocent of all charges. You're free to go. That's what happens to us when we accept the only cure, which is the facts of the gospel. So we're leaning and relying and trusting 
in Jesus alone to bring us salvation. Jesus alone brings salvation. Now here's the other option. Are you ready? And, and here's what rocked Martin's world. The other option is you work for your salvation. The other option is you got to be good. you got to be nice. you got to do a lot of religious stuff in an attempt to earn or merit your way into heaven. Righteousness is what we need, but we don't have. Track with me. Righteousness is not earned, deserved, or merited. Righteousness is given as a free gift by all who will receive by faith the gospel facts. Why do we need the gospel facts? Are you ready? Because we're all sinners. We've all been uh, hit with this awful fatal disease called sin, and it has fatal consequences unless we take the only remedy, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. <laughs> and when you say yes to the gospel of Jesus Christ, you accept the only cure, and suddenly now salvation floods into our lives. It was this fact that clicked in Martin Luther's mind. Track with me. The just shall live by faith alone. The righteous shall live by faith alone. That fact shook the entire world. Why is that? Because up to that point, Martin Luther thought the works of the law bring me salvation. Yeah, I've got to have faith, but I've got to have a whole lot of works. And it suddenly clicked, excuse me, but that's not what the book says. It's by faith alone, in Christ alone, that salvation comes. And suddenly now he understood that faith alone, not obedience to the church and its teachings, it's faith alone in Christ alone. It's not baptism, it's not sacraments, it's not good works, it's not good intentions. It's faith alone plus nothing, minus nothing. Faith alone is what brings salvation. And if you'll think about it, we do this all the time. Your doctor says, you need surgery. So they put the nice hat on you, right? And the little blue booties, and then they wheel you in, and now the, the, the doctor's about to perform surgery on you. Are you not expressing extreme faith in that surgeon? You understand? We, we do that when we step onto an airplane, do we not? We step in, we take our seats, we buckle up, and now we express extreme faith in the pilot and his staff to get us to our destination. We express faith when we hire a lawyer. We got, we got this legal issue, and now I'm going to trust you with my situation. I'm going to trust you to plead my case properly. That's faith. We do it all the time. Saving faith is putting your trust in Jesus Christ and his gospel and nothing else. Shall I say it again? Trust, I trust Jesus and the cross and the empty tomb, and I'm going to quit trying to save myself. I'm going to quit trying to earn merit, deserve, be nice enough, be good enough to earn salvation. Because Jesus Christ did not come to earth to make bad people good. Jesus Christ came to earth, why? 
you need to know this, to make dead people, and we're all dead spiritually. Every one of us, dead spiritually. On June 30th, 1859, a French daredevil named Charles Blondin usually referred to as the Great Blondin. And he had a following, and he was a showman, and everybody paid attention to the Great Blondin. On June 30th, 1859, Charles Blondin had a uh, tightrope, about an inch and a half thick rope, strung across Niagara Falls. Who's been to Niagara Falls before? Can I see? Okay. It's, it's intense. He was, um, if you know where the Rainbow Bridge is today, that's about where they strung his rope over the Niagara Gorge. Thundering, pounding water. And uh, on June 30th, 1859, first time anybody had ever done it, 160 feet over the water, Charles Blondin walked across by himself. And the crowds went crazy. No one could believe someone was actually willing to do that. Uh, The next day, uh, he walked across blindfolded. The next day, uh, he walked across backwards. Uh, He he was a showman. This went on for a few weeks. Uh, he, He walked across on stilts. He walked across carrying his manager on his back. He walked across on a bicycle. Uh, he walked across halfway carrying uh, a, like a, uh, a small camping stove, if you know what I mean. And, and then he sat down halfway across and he lit up the camping stove and cooked himself an omelet and ate the omelet while he sat halfway on the rope over Niagara Falls. Um, but the stunt that he was perhaps most well known for was when he pushed a wheelbarrow filled with 350 pounds of concrete across Niagara Falls. Now just picture, I got 350 pounds of cement here, okay? And he walks across, and, and, he, and he was a showman. He acted like he was going to fall six or seven times, you know, and oh, no. And, and then when he got across, he dumped the 350 pounds of cement on the ground. What do you suppose the crowd did? Oh, you're amazing. And they went crazy. And, and, and now he says, do, do you think that I can go back with this wheelbarrow? And they said, yes, Blondin, we believe. We believe. And he said, do you think I could actually put a person in my wheelbarrow and take them across? <laughs> and they said, yeah, we know you, you just did 350 pounds of cement. And the crowds, you know, 1859, they, they didn't have a whole lot of things. This was exciting stuff. Yeah, we believe. And then he looked one gentleman right in the eyes. And he said, sir, sir, would you, would you get in my wheelbarrow? You just said you believed. Would you get in the wheelbarrow? And the man looked at him, and he looked at the wheelbarrow, and that's exactly what he said. I don't think so today. <laughs> Not today. I I don't think I'm going to walk across with you. So then he turned to the crowd and he said, hey, anybody in the crowd? 
I'll take your cross. Will, will you get in my wheelbarrow? And do and you know not one person volunteered? Not one person said, I'll go with you. I'll go with you. The great Blondin. And everybody was a little surprised that he was. In, so he actually, it's, it's reported that he walked backwards with the wheelbarrow empty back across. No one would get in with him. Here's my point. Jesus Christ did something far more amazing than walk across a piece of rope. Track with me. Jesus Christ willingly took our place on the cross. He, he literally took our spot, shed his blood for your sin and mine, past, present, future. Just think about your sin right now for a minute. All your sin, Pastor Bob, you know, and wow. You know, and Bob always says, and I didn't become a Christian until I was in my 30s. Uh, and, and I would say, and I didn't come to Christ in, until I was in my early 20s. And I'm just telling you, all of our sin, past, present, future, he took our place. And the only cure and the only remedy is what Jesus did for us. Fact one. Jesus Christ willingly took your place in the tomb. Fact number two. Fact number three, early on Sunday morning, y'all, he didn't stay dead, did he? He literally bodily, physically arose from the dead. And he did that for you and he did that for me. And just so you know, you don't have to uh, park your brain when you believe these facts because over 500 people actually saw the risen, resurrected Jesus. He's alive. And 500 plus eyewitnesses saw him, heard him, uh, many of them touched him, saw him eat. I'm just telling you, it, he was alive. And when you get the facts and you believe the facts, then it's time to get in the wheelbarrow. You, you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> then Jesus is saying, you know what? Um, I, I would like you to get in my wheelbarrow and, and, and I will carry you to salvation. Think about it. Jesus says, I, I'm going to carry you into eternal life. I, I'm going to do something past tense, and I'm going to take away all your sin, and I'm going to do something present tense, and I'm going to start working in your life. My power in you is going to be amazing. And oh, by the way, getting in my wheelbarrow, it's going to have future consequences too. Think about it. It's like a free ticket to eternity, to eternal life to the new heaven and the new earth. Have you gotten in the wheelbarrow yet? See, a lot of people cheer Jesus on and we sing to him and we like those facts. Oh yeah, I, I like you, Jesus, and, and I appreciate all that you've done. But, but here's my question. Are you ready? Have you ever actually gotten in the wheelbarrow yet? And walked by faith and said, I'm yours. Wherever you want me to go, Jesus, I'm all in. That's what salvation brings to your life. I'm all in. Whatever it takes, come into my life. Here we go. And what a ride. And what a ride. Final question. Have you actually gotten in the wheelbarrow yet? Or have you just been in the stands cheering? Let's pray as we close. Would you just quietly ask the Lord that question, Lord? 
have I gotten in that wheelbarrow yet? It's one thing to know the facts. It's another thing completely different to actually allow Jesus. And Jesus alone, nothing more, nothing less, to bring salvation to your life. Down through the centuries, Jesus has invited multitudes to accept the only cure, the only solution to all of our greatest problems. We're sinners, and the only cure is the gospel, what Jesus has done for you. Nothing for you to earn, merit, I don't care how good you are, we all fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us. Are you trusting in your baptism sacraments to get you into heaven? Are are you counting on church attendance or putting money in the offering plate to get you to heaven? Are you hoping that your good works, being nice, a good person, will bring salvation? The just, the righteous, will live by faith alone, in Christ alone. It's not something you can buy or earn or merit. It's faith alone in the finished work of Jesus and his gospel alone. Anybody say, you know, I I think I might need to get in that wheelbarrow. I need to trust in what Jesus did for me alone, nothing else. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Nobody can boast because it's all the work of Jesus. And what do you say? I'm ready to get in the wheelbarrow with Jesus. Get pushed by him and enjoy the powerful salvation that he alone offers. It's not Jesus plus or minus anything. It's only the gospel. Anybody say today ready to get ready to get in the wheelbarrow? Jesus see my hand. I'm ready to do it your way and not some other way that maybe somebody else threw my, my way. I, I'm ready to do it according to the gospel in Romans 1, 16 and 17. Anybody lift up your hand? I'd like to pray for you, pray with you, encourage you. Yep. Anyone else? Are there others? Yeah. Here's the great news. Are you ready? You don't have to be in church. You don't even have to shut your eyes. But the gospel is facts. And they're they're historical facts that need to be believed. So right where you're seated, just, just whisper. And I'd like everybody to do it. 
because it's good for you. If, if you've already done this, this is a good reminder, and now you can lead someone else. Jesus, I believe that you took my place on the cross. You shed your blood for my sin problem. And Jesus, I believe, fact number two, you took my place in the grave. <laughs> and Jesus, I believe, fact number three, early on Sunday morning you arose from the dead. <laughs> and fact number four, Jesus, you were seen by over 500 witnesses. Right now, by faith, Jesus, I get in the wheelbarrow. <laughs> and you can start pushing me wherever you want me to go. I receive you as my Savior, my Lord, my King. That's where salvation begins. It's the gospel. It's the facts of the gospel. It's accepting those facts as the only cure, the only solution. It's getting in the wheelbarrow, allowing Jesus to push us. Thanks, Jesus, for uh, inspiring these words to be written down. Thank you, Lord, for uh, allowing us to be celebrating all that you've done for us on the cross and in that empty tomb. Pray for your blessing on this church family in this week ahead. Lord, would you watch over us? Would you help us to speak up with the gospel facts ready to share? Lord, when people comment about our lives and they see Jesus actively lived out, Lord, help us to be ready to point to you and what you've done in us as the reason why we have a new life. It's in Jesus' name we pray all of these things.